You've tuned into Omega Church. We are a people hungry to encounter God through worship and His Word, being witnesses to the world around us. We pray this teaching blesses you and trust God will reveal Himself to you in a new way today. And if you need prayer for healing or breakthrough, or to find out more about Omega, head to our website or Facebook page through the links below. So, um, a very brief thing I want to um, tell you about. Uh, there is a book called Book of Enoch. And a lot of stuff that you see in Jude and Second Peter has a reference to the Book of Enoch. Or that's what people think. That's what people think. Because we have no other place where it's talked about. So this Book of Enoch is one of those apocryphal books. That means it's a, um, uh, not accepted into the canon. Canon, you know, the, when the church fathers met and decided which should become part of the Bible, what should not be part of the Bible, they removed the book of Enoch. One of those books is not part of the uh, Bible. But some people, they are very excited about reading Enoch. They spend a lot of time, but I would not give much value to that. I myself have read it once. I wasn't convinced it is really fully inspired. There are certain things that you don't get to hear about these fallen angels. A lot is discussed there. A lot is discussed in the book of Enoch. You want to really read it once in a lifetime, it's worth reading it. So go online and look for it, and it's freely available, uh, the English translation. Uh, it's basically, was originally was Ethiopian, and that's what they found ultimately, historically. And then they were translated into Latin, and they were then translated into English. You have time, please do read it. But otherwise, you miss nothing. But having said all that, there are similarities between Second Peter and Jude and the book of Enoch. So I'll just read out three samples for you, only three verses. There are many more, but that will be sufficient to say how they are very similar. Let's look at Jude 1.8. Despise dominion and speak, of evil, uh, speak evil of dignities. And you find again Jude 1.10. But these speak evil of those things which they do not know. Okay. Sorry, there's no reference there in Second Peter. So I'm coming down to only two then. Um, Jude 1.6. And the angels which kept not their first estate, but left them, left the, their own habitation. It's there in Second Peter 2.4 as well. If God spared not the angels that sinned, but cast them down to hell, and delivered them into chains of darkness to be reserved unto judgment. Similar thought that you have seen in the Jude. Then Jude 1.4, denying the only Lord and our Lord Jesus Christ. And the same idea you find in 2 Peter 2.1, even denying the Lord that bought them. So this is how it is all, similarities are there. This is just information for those who want to pursue it more. Now, we last week we talked about contending for the faith. I just want to add a couple of more things because I think it's more important that we understand how to contend for the faith. So let's look at how Paul did it. How did Paul contend for the faith? Ask your neighbor, how did Paul contend for the faith? <laughs> you know, this is just to stir up some kind of an interest in what we are talking. And also to, if, if by chance somebody's sleeping, you can wake them up, you know. 
Okay, Galatians chapter 2, verse 4 onwards. Yet because of false brothers secretly brought in. Remember the word secretly brought in. That's what we see again in Jude. They slipped in secretly. Who slipped in to spy our freedom that we have in Christ Jesus, so that they might bring us into slavery. To them we did not yield in submission even for a moment, so that the truth of the gospel might be preserved for you. We did this study when we did Galatians. But if you want to listen to the message, it's available on the podcast. Please go and listen to Galatians chapter 2. And uh, he says, we did not give in even for a moment. That means what? There is no compromise with false teaching. You can't compromise even for a moment. And he, he said, this is how we resisted. This is how we have maintained the purity of the gospel. Today we have the gospel in our hands because Paul contended for the faith. If Paul had failed, today we, we will not have the gospel in our hands. Because we saw when we studied Galatians how Peter was uh, carried away, how Barnabas was carried away. Everyone was carried away by the false teaching that the, Jewish, the, the believers should be circumcised and they did not yield to it. And because of that, today we have the gospel in our hands. So that's very important. If you think that in, down the line in history, the gospel has to be preserved, we have a role to play, our own role of resisting the false teaching when it comes in any form and not to tolerate it even for a moment. And that is what, how, that is how you contend. And Peter's way of contending for the faith, 1 Peter 2 verse 7, So the honor is for you who believe, but for those who do not believe, the stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. And a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense. They stumble because they disobey the word as they were destined to do. But, these are the more important words. But, you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. How do you contend for the faith? Peter's formula. You are a chosen race. You need to know who you are. You are a royal priesthood. You are a holy nation. People of his own possession. That you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. So this is the crux of the Christian faith. Is You know that you were once in darkness but now you are brought into light. And when you are convinced about that truth then you will stand for the truth. But if you do not have an experience of living in the darkness, now coming into the light, then you do not know the gospel at all. You don't know the gospel at all. There will be a time that we were in darkness. We were morally in, in sin. And we were born sinful. And we lived in sin. We committed sin. We cherished it. We liked it. We loved it. We followed it. We cheered others who were doing wrong. That is our past. But from darkness, you are brought into his marvelous light. And this transformed life is itself a God, is a tool of contending for the faith. He is the transformed life will speak more than words can speak. The transformed life can speak more than the words can speak. And our life should be one of those transformed lives to contend for the faith. Let the people hear your story and say, this gospel is true. Amen. So content for the faith by being a chosen race, royal priesthood, a holy nation. I tell you, we have to remind ourselves that we are this kind of a people. If we don't remind ourselves all the time, then we may forget it. Why do you need to gather every Sunday and hear the preaching? Because we forget. If I ask you what you heard last Sunday, you, you will definitely say, yes, we have forgotten what you heard. 
that's the reason why we have to listen in fact i tell you we have few friends who listen the podcast two or three times and uh, they say there's so much to learn from it and sometimes i am tempted to listen to my own message because i want to listen too but i am not having enough time but i wish i can do it I, and i will do it when i have when i find my own time because i want to listen again to myself so that that word will go deep into me even though it is me who is preaching i want to the word to minister to myself to make me more stronger and in history we have this the church <coughs> when uh, the the church in jerusalem heard that the gospel has been gone to antioch and people have believed in the name of jesus christ of nazareth they sent a team of people there to verify to check it out and then we find in acts chapter 11 verse 22 the report of this came to the ears of the church in jerusalem and they sent barnabas to antioch when he came and saw the grace of god he was glad and he exhorted them all to remain faithful to the lord with steadfast purpose so here he came and saw the grace of god another translation says he saw the evidence of their faith evidence of their faith he saw the evidence what did he see he came talked to the people he saw their lives were transformed how they were brought from darkness into marvelous light and he said continue exhorted them all to remain faithful to the lord with a steadfast purpose there has to be a steadfast purpose so many christians they live without a purpose and there's no steadfastness in their purpose that's the reason why church is weak today if every christian lives with a steadfast purpose that church will be full of life full of power and they'll have a witness and many will come to know god because they have this steadfast purpose in their own heart and we need to have this steadfast purpose how do they deny our only lord and master jesus christ sorry i'm just jumping from somewhere uh jude let's go to verse 5 now was fine though you already know all this i want to remind you that the lord delivered his people out of egypt but later destroyed those who did not believe now this was fine is full of power full of power and there is so much a power in it it is going to change the way you think about christian life why do i say that because we have been taught a lot of calvinism we have heard it for years and years and years that if you are saved you will not lose your salvation so sometimes people are saved and then they walk with the lord for a few years and then they live as if they have nothing to do with the lord for the rest of their life what will happen to them will they be saved calvinism is working only as long as you have faith the moment you lose your faith the moment you stop practicing your faith your salvation becomes null and void almost because you are not honoring god you are not you are not joined to the lord jesus christ from whom in whom you should be you should be uh, planted and rooted and draw your strength and sustenance from him live by faith in him draw your source of strength from him and when you stop doing it how do you call that your salvation is fixed and nobody going to take it away from you devil is ready to steal from you so can we say that people can lose salvation usually i would say if you are fairly committed to the lord you have faith in him every day you believe in you won't lose your salvation only problem comes when you stop practicing your faith problem comes when you start stop believing in jesus when you run to other things in life you run to google to find an answer not to god 
you run to some other source of a book or a knowledge other other than the bible you are leaving the safe ground you are leaving the safe ground so you need to be rooted in the word of god practicing it believing it the day you'll give up then i will not promise you anything i promise you nothing if we if we do that but can we stand our ground on this matter we have to have a, a scriptural kind of a foundation and support and one of the things that um uh, uh in, in this he talks about is that false prophets and false teachers introducing wrong teaching have entered i think this we did already sorry sorry i am just going backwards sorry uh, verse 5 in the verse 5 one of the things i found very interesting thing is mm, i do not have it ready here looks like where is that verse 5 though you already know all this i want to remind you that the lord delivered his people out of egypt the word the lord some translations have put jesus in that place so when you read the lord you are likely to overlook the impact of the words that you are reading but when you see the word jesus it's going to transform the way you look at it who delivered the people from egypt as you know who delivered god what is which god is he <laughs> jehovah that's the right answer the jewish people believed jehovah he had many other names adonai el shaddai jehovah sirkenu jehovah nissi jehovah rafa so many different kinds of names he has but in essence ultimately when it comes down to one name that characterizes the old testament god yahweh i am who i am is the god that's what they believed yahweh is the one who went before them fought the egyptians and delivered them and brought them into the promised land but jude is saying what is he saying though you already know all this i want to remind you that the lord instead of saying that jesus delivered his people out of egypt i said ah should i accept this translation jesus or not <laughs> you have to be honest when you study the word you have to be honest so i looked up 27 translations out of the 27 translations i come up with eight or nine they have used the word jesus that means it has got a fairly very good chance of being accurate and then i refer to commentaries and they have said that in all probability the word jesus has a better chance of standing than the common word lord so it is jesus who set them free in from egypt what does it mean hmm? jehovah is jesus everybody say it then who is the father This is this is very difficult topic I am not going to take another one hour to talk about it but I will tell you in brief Jesus said no one has seen the father except the son who comes from the bosom of the father from the heart of the father okay so the father no one has seen so who did Moses see who did Isaiah see they saw Jesus is it a, is it true or not what I'm saying John writes about Isaiah 
which you have Isaiah chapter 6. He, Isaiah saw the Lord high and lifted up in the temple, seated up on the throne. He, the train of his robe filled the temple. And in John, he says, John says that Isaiah saw the Lord Jesus. So Jehovah is Jesus. So this is, this is nothing new. For us, it sounds strange. But for the first century Jewish people, they always believed in Jehovah. And now when Jude says it is Jesus who delivered the people from Egypt, they don't say, ah, is it so? Uh, should we accept it? They don't have any questions. Because what they're trying to establish is that Jesus is God. Jesus is God. So do we have any more proof in the Bible to go along in this line? That's the question. Uh, Paul has an answer in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 1 to 10. But uh, Sorry, I'll just go with only verse 4. Uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 4. This talks about the rock from which they all drank water. They were going through the wilderness and they, were, they came to a point where there's no water to drink. The animals were dying and at the point of death. And the many people would be starving. I mean, they'll die out uh, for thirst. And they cried out to Moses. And God tells Moses, Okay, I'll show you the rock. Go and strike the rock. And he leads the people, leaders, and then goes to the rock and takes the staff in his hand and strikes it. And water gushed out of it. They all drank, the animals drank, and they were saved. But Paul says, and drank the same spiritual, they all ate the same spiritual food, that is referring to manna, and drank the same spiritual drink. But they drank from the spiritual rock that accompanied them, and that rock was Christ. That rock was Christ. So Jehovah is the one who was the one who is leading them. Jehovah is the one they were feeding upon, and they drank from him. And now here we see that that rock is Jesus Christ. That rock is Jesus. So Jehovah is Jesus. Then we have one more verse to uh, support this argument. Where is that one? Hebrews, no, that's not, not the one. Anyway, I'll, I'll just finish with verse 5. And um, in verse 5 we see, I'll, I'll also read for you from Numbers 14, verse 34. For 40 years, one year for each of the 40 days you explored the land, you will suffer for your sins and know what it is like to have me against you. I, the Lord, have spoken, and I will surely do these things to this whole wicked community which has banded together against me. They will meet their end in this wilderness. Here they will die. What is he trying to say here? Uh, in, uh, Moses is trying to say in uh, uh, Numbers chapter 14. They got a report. They did not want to believe the report. They sent the spies. 12 spies. 10 of them came with a bad report. 2 came with a good report. And the people believed the bad report and they did not want to go ahead and possess the land. And God was angry with them. Very angry with them because they banded together against God. God says, go ahead. Take possession of the land. This is the land I'm giving you. And these people are saying, no, we are not going because the people are very tall. They are like giants. We look like grasshoppers in their eyes. Not only their eyes, even our eyes also we look like grasshoppers. So, 
God was very angry with them. And he said, because you are banding together against me, I will uh, make you roam in this wilderness for 40 years. 40 days they went to explore the land. For each one day, one year of punishment. So 40 years. And none of you will enter into the promised land except the two people, Joshua and Caleb. Everybody died in the wilderness. The Lord made them go round and round for 40 years until everyone died. So the point here we are trying to make here is that continuing to believe is what is important. Continuing to have faith is important. When you lose that faith to believe that you will be saved, you are imagining. It's only a myth. So continuous faith is important. You cannot just believe once and rest of the life you do whatever you like and expect to be saved. It's not going to happen. So, so many times, you know, um, there are many, many verses that support that no one can snatch you from God's hand. Well, they're all true. I'm not saying that they're false. But God has given you freedom and free will, which you have to use carefully to love him, to worship him, to believe him, to walk with him rest of your life, every day, every moment. And when you don't do it, God will not give you any insurance policy. There's no insurance policy that you will be saved if you don't have the faith. So this is what is very important for us to understand. Now these things occur as examples to keep us from setting our hearts on evil things as they did. Do not be idolaters as some of them were. As it is written, the people sat down to eat and to drink and got up indulged in revelry. We should not commit sexual immorality as some of them did. And in one day, 23,000 of them died. We should not test Christ. See, this is another verse I had in mind. You should not test Christ as some of them did and were killed by snakes. Who did they test? Jehovah. But what does the author say here? Paul say here, they tested Christ. So that's another verse that I wanted to share with you. As some of them did, and they were killed by snakes. Do not grumble, as some of them did, and were killed by the destroying angel. So there is no substitute for faith. Christian life is from beginning to end faith. You begin your journey by faith, you continue your journey by faith, and you will die by faith, that you are going to be raised up by Christ one day. So that is, in essence, the Christian way of uh, life. And then we see in Hebrews chapter 3, verse 12, See to it, brothers and sisters, that none of you has a sinful, unbelieving heart that turns away from the living God, but encourage one another daily, as long as it is called today, so that none of you may be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. We have come to share in Christ, if indeed we hold our original conviction firmly to the very end. You have to hold your original conviction firmly to the end. I don't know how to make you repeat it. But let's try it. Just say after me. Hold your original conviction firmly to the very end. So if you, if you stop in between, no one can help. So faith, having faith is all the time is very important. You are saved by faith. Have faith continuously, daily. That's what he says. As, it, as long as it's called today, encourage one another daily as long as it's called today. That means what? It has to be on a daily experience. Faith is not a historical faith. It has to be a living faith, a current faith. And uh, that is something that encourages you, strengthens you, holds you up. And then you 
continue your journey with that kind of a thing now he asked the questions in hebrews who were they who heard the who heard and rebelled were they not all those moses led out of egypt and with whom was he angry for 40 years was it not with those who sinned whose bodies perished in the wilderness and to whom did god swear that they would never enter his rest if not to those who disobeyed so we see that they were not able to enter because of their unbelief they were not able to enter because of their unbelief okay <laughs> so in summary what i would like to say here is that they had certain certain things wrong going wrong with them sexual immorality and idolatry were the two things that trapped israelites again and again and again and again you look into the whole story of the old testament it all talks about them failing in this area sexual immorality and idolatry they worship other gods today most of the times idolatry is gone you do not see much of it except in asia and then you know in china and some places you still have a lot of idolatry when the western countries you don't find much of idolatry it's replaced by materialism it is replaced by pursuing sensual pleasures that is the idol that is the idol so we need to be very very careful to guard our heart and particularly the young people you have to make a vow to god that you will not compromise in the area of sex and you will keep yourself pure until the day you get married and that is god that is god's plan for you and as long as you stand on that god will bless you and reward you for that will reward you for that then what is the another thing is so many times people have this question oh do we need to believe old testament do we have to obey old testament anymore is there any value to reading the old testament what is jude doing here he's quoting from the old testament and saying this if this was true about them it's true about us that means it doesn't get outdated the old testament never gets outdated what gets outdated in the old testament is the ceremonial law the ceremonial law is the sacrifices and those things they are all done away with but the moral law holds even today even today and we are not free from it any any time in our lives and then he goes on to talk about uh, jude has a very strange way of writing things he has saying three things in one go to talk about one subject and then he will give some commentary again talk about three more things again a commentary this is how he writes this uh, and the commentators say that he has got a most powerful way to write he has a most powerful way to write so he is arguing something by mentioning like a like a like a flash of a camera you know just one flash another flash another flash to give you a picture of uh, bringing with much power so in this one single uh, such a small portion he talks about you already know all this i want to remind you so what is he trying to say you know these things but i want to remind you so there is a place for knowing the things there is a place for remind, being reminded of the things so first we need to put effort to know things how do you put effort to know things by reading the bible and again through preaching again through somebody talking to you on the tv or on the youtube or they are all reminders for you but knowing for yourself does not replace it 
you have to know what God has to say. So you have to read the Bible cover to cover, Genesis to Revelation, at least once a year. Four chapters a day will t- take you through the Bible once a year. So you know the word. And then God will remind you. When the Holy Spirit wants to speak to you, he'll remind you what you have read and speak to you again fresh. Whatever conflict you are going through, what struggle you are going through, when you're looking for guidance, you're looking for making a decision, the Holy Spirit will bring the word to your remembrance and speak to you. So you need to store the word. Then, the Jesus des- delivered his people out of Egypt, but later destroyed those who did not believe. So the quality, qualification is those who did not believe. If you believe, you will not be destroyed. But when you don't believe, you will be destroyed. Let's go to verse 6. And the angels who did not keep their positions of authority, but abandoned their own home, these he has kept in darkness, bound with everlasting chains, for judgment on the great day. So he is not following the chronological order. What is the chronological order? Angels fell first, and then Sodom and Gomorrah's event, and then the experience of rebelling against God in the desert. But instead he is bringing the desert experience first, and then brings the fallen angel story, and then he talks about Sodom and Gomorrah. So, but he uses it for his own uh, for his own purpose. He's using it. But some people think that he has copied from Second Peter. So, because Second Peter must have been written earlier than Jude, so he has read it and trying to copy. But then, when you read these verses, it doesn't look, look like a copy work. When you read Second Peter and Jude. Jude puts extra information which was not there in Second Peter. That means he's writing on his own under the guidance of the Holy Spirit. So sometimes you may see similar things in the Scripture. It doesn't necessarily mean they are copying. But even if they copy, they are copying the Word of God. You understand where I'm coming from? Both ways, we are safe. We are not on the uh, wrong ground. So now, what about these angels? He's talking about here. We do not know much about it, except a reference here and in Second Peter. We don't know much about it. Angels who did not keep their positions of authority but abandoned their own home, these just kept in darkness, bound with everlasting chains for judgment on the great day. If they are bound and kept in judgment for judgment in darkness already, who are we fighting with now? You get my question. We have Paul writes in Ephesians chapter six. We are fighting with principalities, powers, rulers of darkness, wickedness, high places. Now those things are all spiritual powers we are fighting with. But here Jude says they have been bound and put in darkness. So what I am understanding is, I'm, I mean, I've looked up some of the commentaries. They say what they say here is it refers to Genesis chapter six. This is what they are convinced, many of them. But I am not convinced after reading them. What I feel is we don't have the full truth. Truth comes only in little packets. Sometime one one source, another one one glimpse from another angle, we get it. So what I am understanding is when Lucifer sinned, he was thrown down to earth. Along with him, those who rebelled, one third of the angels followed him. They were all thrown down. But some of them probably God must have captured. Put them in the darkness for final judgment without giving them any choice. Choice, but some he let loose so that he can use them for his purpose in his sovereign will. That's all we can say. There's no other way we can understand it. So this verse, verse six, is a very difficult verse to interpret. 
you can write 15 20 pages as i told you ultimately will come to nothing so my advice is just take it as it is that god has kept them in darkness some of them some he let loose and we are fighting with those and when we are trying to cast out evil spirits from the people of the lives the people's lives we are contending with the spirits basically and come in the authority of the name of jesus we are casting them out so we are doing it but thank god we are don't have to fight with all of the fallen forces some he put in darkness we are only fighting with some so that is his grace that's his mercy see these are the things I, i i tell you these thoughts that i'm talking right now are not formed by me earlier as i stand here i'm speaking that's the reason why i need to listen to myself again <laughs> so i don't go by script uh, that's my way of preaching let's look at verse 7 in a similar way sodom and gomorrah and surrounding towns gave themselves up to sexual immorality and perversion they serve as an example of those who suffer the punishment of eternal fire now what happened to sodom and gomorrah the word sodomy sodomites it comes from the same place sodom the people of that place were very very corrupt morally and the the cry of their sin went up to god and god came down to see whether it is so so when we see in the in the life of abraham you see the three angels come and he entertains them without knowing that the angels and then after the, he gives them a feed and prepares food and gifts for them and when they are departing they come to a particular point and then will i not tell abraham in advance what i am going to do i am going to destroy sodom and gomorrah and you see that dialogue between abraham and god if there are 50 people will you destroy he says no if there are 40 no 30 no 20 no 10 no 5 no not even five righteous people and uh, two angels leave and abraham was standing with one person left there probably he was god the father continuing to talk to abraham and jesus and the holy spirit have gone to destroy sodom and gomorrah and then what happens is they go to the square and lot says come in and be my guests and he takes them home and that night all the people turn up at the door of these people say give out give those people who are coming to your house we want to have a relation with them he says please don't do such things they are my guests he says you are a foreigner you come to live among us and you are now trying to teach us rules we will behave with you more severely more worse than what we are intending to do with the guests and then the angels put their hand out and took lot in and struck them with blindness so that they could not find their way and afterwards he tells them now get out of this place and you read all the story ultimately what happened is fire came down sulfur was rained down completely burned down the villages surrounding sodom and gomorrah huge area was uh, uh, was destroyed in genesis 6 what you see is the sons of god referring to angels looked on the daughters of men and they had relations with them and they had children with them don't ask me how it is possible but that's what the bible says and when they had daughters of uh, daughters of uh, men and then they had relations with them had children they married in fact it was legal but god was not happy with that and then you have got the race of nephilim we talks about in the subsequent verses who are supposed to be very giant kind of a people very powerful kind of people which is a combination of these creatures angelic creatures and human women 
and now we don't have any of them living anymore slowly slowly they were all destroyed it's all gone their history but there you see that angels had sexual relations with humans but in the instance of sodom and gomorrah humans wanted to have relations with the angels see the reversal and god was very unhappy and brought judgment upon them but their sin of sodom and gomorrah is is uh, sodom and gomorrah and the surrounding towns gave themselves up to sexual immorality and perversion perversion in another translation says they longed for strange flesh they longed for strange flesh that is god ordained man and a woman to have relationship in marriage that's all is sanctioned god is not against sex is not unholy some people say think it is unholy it's unclean it is not it's supposed to be holy it is supposed to be beautiful it's supposed to give uh, wholeness it's supposed to give joy it's supposed to build the family and procreate and to keep generating and uh, to continue the generations it's all for good but when it becomes bad is when you cross the boundaries it's just like the mighty sea which is having a shore as long as the waves come and touch the shore and go back it is fine but when they cross the boundary then you have no place to live your house is blown away the same way god has put boundaries for everything and when you cross those boundaries you see devastation you see destruction you see a breakdown of relationship mental breakdown physical breakdown every kind of breakdown happens because people break the boundaries we are seeing day in and day out we are interacting with people we are praying for people to set them free and we come we come across one of the main things we come across is a sexual immorality we don't want to uh, go deep into it but this is very very important if you are a believer and you fall into this sin your heart becomes hard and when you keep doing it again and again and again and again your heart becomes harder and harder and harder and ultimately a time comes when you have no more respect for the blood of jesus and the body that is crucified for you on the cross and then you walk away you walk away by from faith you walk away from faith so these two are the great sins sexual immorality and perversion perversion is you twist things what is good you twist it into bad that is perversion and morally when you pervert things when you b- behave beyond the boundaries then destruction comes spiritually you begin to die spiritually you begin to die one of the best explanations i ever heard in my life is man people think man is like a circle with a center that means man's circle is like a body and you have center which is like a spirit or your life but man is like a ellipse ellipse is like a x shape kind of a picture you know ellipse ellipse has two centers not one center circle has one center but ellipse has two center two foci one is god other is your own spirit when you move away from what is god ordained way of behaving in the in the area of sex in the area of morals when that center moves away from the normal and moves to perversion then this spiritual center where god is a center moves towards demonic 
So when God says, obey the commandments, it's for our good, not for our bad. The day we decide to transgress against the laws of God, we are opening the door to the devil. Opening the door to the devil. So that's the reason why Jude says that this is what happened to them. They serve as an example of those who suffer the punishment of eternal fire. They are an example. Old Testament stories are an example. More stories we'll examine next week. But all that we need to understand is that our faith is valid only as long as we continue to believe. The day you stop having faith, your insurance is gone. Eternal life. I don't give you any insurance about it. No guarantee. So whether you follow Calvin, whether you follow Arbinian, it does not matter. What ultimately matters is do you have faith? Then you are saved. When you lose that faith, you lose your salvation. Shall we bow down and pray? Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord, for the grace you have given us to look into your word. We worship you, Jesus. Your word is a living word. It's powerful. The Holy Spirit is here right now. Some of you can sense him. That warmth that is coming in your heart is the Holy Spirit. If you are feeling cold, it's the Holy Spirit. You are shaking, it's the Holy Spirit. Whatever you are going through right now, it's the Holy Spirit. Reha shakta basurano. Kurho sandaranasto. Rabahana shakirasto. Sanda baranaste. Saktaro borano. Shakara barano. Roho soko borano. Manaraha sanda karene. Rabba sandara sabiranasto. Shororose kaha baranamandasto. Saka barabahano. Reha shakta barasokroni. Lord, I pray that everyone who hears this word, let it go like a double sword, detaching their spirit from sin and sexual perversion, all kinds of perversion. Oh God, I pray, let it separate them. Let it separate them. Let the word go and disconnect them from every connection with the devil and with the flesh and with every kind of perversion. To the glory of your name. Lord, our Father, we are your children. But every day as we browse through the internet, as we look into our father, the newspaper and the magazines, oh God, this perversion is tearing at us. It's wanting to enter through the eyes, wanting to enter through, oh God, father, by the filthy talk we see in the community, our other friends at work and other places. It wants to enter in. But I pray, build the strength, oh God, father, the stronghold, I mean, uh, the walls, oh God. Build walls in their heart so that they will be able to resist Every entry of the enemy through sexual perversion. Reha shaktabhasto korono. Rabahana sandarasto. Kurohososto koroni. Mandasavirasto. Samarasakto koroni. Make a covenant with your eyes like Job did that he will not look lustfully upon someone. I pray, Father, today that we may make a vow that, Lord, when we fail, and I pray let the blood of Jesus continue to cleanse us so that we will remain in the faith and not die. To the glory of your name. It is your mercy and your grace. So let your grace and mercy abound toward us. Continue to sustain us, support us, strengthen us. Oh God, I pray, encourage us to build us, to make us strong to the glory of your name. And as we fight with the force of darkness, as we fight with the lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes and pride of life, may the power of the Holy Ghost continue to strengthen us to take our stand, stand our ground to the glory of your name. I invite the Holy Spirit to come with 
power right now upon your children. Come Holy Ghost. 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 Touch your children now in the mighty name of Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Help us to be holy even as you are holy. Help us honor you through our life. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 The Lord bless you guys. We have our communion. Yes, sorry. We will partake in the communion now. So this is a time to examine our heart that we are in the faith. If you are in the faith, you are eligible to partake in the communion. If you are not in the faith, it is also a time to reconcile and get back into faith and you can still have communion. It doesn't bar anyone from taking part in the communion. But it's a time set for us to examine our heart. Are we in the faith? If you are in the faith, that body and the blood is for you. That body and the blood, as you partake in it, it will heal you, it will cleanse you, it will deliver you, it will fill you with his power and love. So examine your heart. I give you 30 seconds to examine your heart and partake in it worthily because the Bible says don't partake unworthily because some of you are sick because you partake unworthily. So worthily partake in it. Examine your heart and partake in it worthily so that you will receive healing and strength and refreshing touch from God. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Holy Spirit, thank you. Encourage your children right now. Encourage your children right now to be washed in the blood of Christ and partake worthily in the body and the blood of Christ. As they partake, let your healing come to their bodies. Oh God, let the dominion of darkness be broken upon their life. Let the power of Satan be broken upon their lives as they partake in your communion. And I pray that they will be full of life. Let the life of Christ be imparted to them as they partake in your body and the blood, the glory of your name. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. I will read for you quickly from uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 11. For I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you. The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is a new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you eat, drink it in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. We are going to pray for the elements of the communion and then we will be distributed. Let us pray. Father, we thank you again for sending your son Jesus Christ into the world. Thank you, Jesus, for laying down your life for us. We worship you, Jesus. We thank you for the broken body through which, O oh God, you are going to heal us. We thank you for the shed blood through which you are going to cleanse us from all our sin and sanctify us. So we worship you, Jesus. You are worthy, you are worthy, you are worthy. Bless your children as they partake in it. Impart to them every blessing to the glory of your name. We thank you for broken body and the shed blood. In Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Amen. Please hold it in your hand. We'll all partake together.
Okay, let's partake together. Let's thank the Lord. Father, we thank you for making this provision for us of partaking in your body and the blood. As we partake in it, we are receiving life. We are partaking in your life. Thank you. Let your life fill us and overflow through us to the glory of your name. Help us honor you and help us to glorify you through obedience to you and help us to remain faithful to you. Help us continue to believe in you and be saved to the glory of your name. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 <laughs>